our new location at 77 Grove Street, the former CVPS building. Now we've got the power. The Rutland Herald's local sports podcast. This is the Inside Pitch. Brought to you by the Rutland Herald. Thank you for supporting your hometown newspaper. Here they are, Bob Fredette and Tom Haley. Play ball! Hello, this is Bob Fredette. Hello, this is Tom Haley. This is the Inside Pitch. And here we go again. Welcome back to Inside Pitch. I'm Bob Fredette with Tom Haley, George Nostrin, our engineer and a special guest today, a guy who arrived in Vermont uh, in 1994 and has since brought eight state football championships to Rutland High School, Coach Mike Norman. Mike, welcome. Thanks for having me. Um, you know, we want to talk, there's a lot of things we can talk about in football and a lot of different sports here, but um, uh, one of the things we always talk about is what, what happens off the football field and what are the benefits of playing football. And I think that you're you know, being a Kodak, a little All-American, uh, who played at Norwich. Maybe you could talk a little bit about what the football experience did for you besides actually playing on the field. Well, I think first and foremost, it helps you becoming a, a better person, just learn you know, life lessons like integrity and honesty and hard work, uh, teamwork, perseverance. You know, and there's all kinds of uh, things that happen, learning how to get along with others, and uh, just kind of helps you become you. And uh, again, football really allowed me to get some self-confidence in myself a long, long time ago, and it just kind of perpetuated itself through high school and then going on to college. And, you know, if you had told me uh, when I was 15, 16, 17 that I'd be doing what I'm doing now and living uh, where I'm living and you know I would just kind of look at you cross-eyed and like no way but uh, life is a kind of a windy road and football was a big part of that and it's a big part of our family for sure. Yeah. Uh, at what age did you start actually and what was it like at that point? Where I grew up in Massachusetts the first time in the t- I grew up in Weymouth, Mass and the first time that you could play was when you were in the eighth grade and uh, again I aspired to be a football player from the time that I was a a little kid but just like everybody else I just played outside with my friends and thought that's what I wanted to do and I can remember going through tryouts uh, in the eighth grade you know there was no off-season conditioning programs or anything like that it was very much old school and uh, I can recall getting in the car on Friday after tryouts were done because there were a lot of kids and a lot of kids got cut and uh, my father asked me how I did and I basically broke down in tears because I was just physically and mentally exhausted. I just was not uh, prepared for that and uh, had the good fortune to play as an eighth grader and kind of find out what football ha- had to offer a little bit. And then I went, you know, to BC High in Boston and, you know, uh, played there. You know, there was like 250 kids that tried out for freshman football. Oh, wow. and it was like the Patan Death March. Uh, they ran us into the ground and did a lot of not nice things until there were 95 of us left. And the reason why there was 95 because there was 95 helmets. So, I mean, that, that was my introduction to football many, many years ago. Hey, this is Jack Rogers, boys basketball coach at Mill River, and you're listening to the Inside Pitch. Subscribe to Rutland Herald's local sports podcast at iTunes and have Bob and Tom delivered to your inbox every week. Some people would say today... Eighth grade, wow, you started late. And I think you told me that a guy that was maybe your best lineman ever, uh, Jake Ward, could have could be could have been playing on Sundays if he had been so inclined. I think you told me he didn't start playing football until he got to Rutland High. Jake didn't play organized sports until he played freshman football. Wow. And uh, you know, his mother's a Grabowski and 
the wards, you know, there's a lot of good stock there, and he just made himself into a football player. You know, when it was all said and done, you know, he got a scholarship and went to UMass and started as a true freshman and really had a bright future, but just school wasn't wasn't for him. But, you know, I believe in my heart of hearts that if he had stuck it out that, uh, you know, he would have played at the next level. But, uh, you know, he decided that wasn't for him, and he's back here, he's married, he's got a couple of kids, and he's a Mason but uh, again, to your doing point, okay. you know, you know, yeah, yeah he's, doing, he's done fine for himself, but football helped him become him a little bit because he just totally transformed himself through high school and uh, was a large part of the success that we had along with, you know, his other teammates. I'm sure you've had a lot of success stories, but pretty much like that, too. You've seen a lot of kids come and go here. Well, I've seen, you know, not just football, but I've seen kids come to the high school and kids play other sports, but being the coach, you just you get kids that have no direction or they don't know their left from their right or up or down and uh, you know we've all been in that awkward stage in our life but uh, you know they buy into something and they, and they dig their heels in and, and, and buy in and do a great job and then just through the structure of the sport and the camaraderie and the, the you know the teamsmanship and the guidance that we give them and the support of their families and the community I mean football kind of transforms them or other sports do do as well and uh, by the time they you know graduate from high school you know they've you know provided uh, some options for themselves whether it be to you know go on and, and, and go to college go on to college and play sports you know what I mean uh, get a job go in the service or whatever they decide to do with themselves and I think uh, a couple of, of, of notable things that uh, football took them someplace uh, but they weren't great players and it, it didn't take them maybe someplace on the field on the field, meaning between the lines, John Hot Lunch Carpenter and uh, Kyle Kelly. Yeah, Kyle Kelly is really a neat story. That if talk talk about the whole University of Oregon connection. Well, yeah, you know Kyle is uh, one of my son's uh, best friends, and you know watched him grow up from the time he was a, a little guy, and he played football for us, and. You know, he, he bounced around at a couple of different schools and he ended up out at Oregon and uh, had an acquaintance from a long time ago when I coached at Dartmouth and uh, Jeff Hawkins and said to Kyle, if you want to get interested in football, just walk in and introduce yourself and tell them that you know me. You know, a lot you say that to a lot of kids, a lot of kids won't do that, but Kyle did it and uh, Jeff uh, offered him an opportunity as a volunteer to be a part of, of his operation because he's the, you know, uh, director, assistant director of athletics for football operations, and at Kyle, Oregon. At Oregon, yeah. and uh, Kyle, you know, was an integral part of that whole operation there. He didn't receive any scholarship money. You know, he he probably got some gear and got to do some really nice things. But I mean, Hawk uh, said that the Cleveland Browns were looking for an intern, and uh, Kyle was the only one that spoke up. And and again, I think that credit goes to Kyle and. Next thing you know, Kyle's working, you know, out in uh, Berea, Ohio for, you know, two or three summers. And, you know, that that's where he's working now, you know, as a full-time employee. But I think, you know, truth be told, I think football allowed Kyle to become a better person, have a great work ethic, but learn how to communicate to people and kind of speak up for yourself. And I think that's a really valuable asset. And I'm sure Kyle is just going to continue to do bigger and better things. Hmm. Is is football actually a gateway to doing better academically as well? Do you think because of the dis- discipline involved? Well, I think it's you know, not just football; it's all sports. You know, it's just it's it's proven statistically and just as a matter of fact that when kids are busy and organized, doing things, playing sports amongst others, that they're going to do better in school because they have less time 
to waste, less time to play video games, less time to be on social media. And, you know, they become more structured and, and they do better in the classroom. And yeah. again, that, that's the whole idea is to take football and or any sport for that matter and become a better person, become a better teammate. You know what I mean? Take what you learn in one sport and use it in another. You know, take it to basketball or take what you learn in basketball and bring it to baseball and bring from baseball and bring it to football or bring it to soccer. You know, and again, somebody who's a lot smarter than me, you know, came up with freshman, JV, varsity, you know, having those levels because everything's, you know, age and physically appropriate. You know, somebody, you know, again, being a multi-sport athlete, you just look at the kids in the last 25 years since I've been here. And even now, not just in Rutland, but statewide, literally, because our state is smaller and you can do a lot of different things. But the kids that are the multi-sport athletes and that are the most athletic are typically the ones that end up going on and playing college sports of some sort. And I would guarantee you that, you know, you look at the leaders in the high schools around the state and the country, a lot of them have some type of um, athletic background because it just forces you to do that. You have to communicate to people. You do have to get in line and, and take take orders for lack of better terms you do have to learn how to follow and you can learn how to aspire and become a better leader by playing i think you're in the majority uh by uh advocating the the multi-sport for the multi-sport athlete there probably are some football coaches and i know you don't agree with it and i don't agree with it who, who want their kids not to play other sports but I know you, in dealing with college football recruiters, they want that, right? They like the kid who wrestles, who plays lacrosse, and there's actually some transfer of skills. There's definitely transfer of skills, but it also helps you learn how to take direction from different people. Right. I mean, you know, you might just get in the groove and get a coach that really gets you as an athlete and you understand them. But, you know, you're going to go on to college, you're going to have to learn how to take direction and guidance and coaching from somebody else. But I think there's a lot to be said for listening to a few different people trying to get you to go to the same uh, places. You know, any kid that gets recruited, they're going to come and watch you play the sport that you want to be recruited in. But if they're going to offer you a scholarship... They're going to come watch you play another sport. They're going to watch. I can remember when Jake Eaton, you know, and again, I remember Sean McDonald, who's now the head coach at UNH, came and watched Jake play basketball. Because, one, he wanted to see, is Jake really six foot two? Is Jake really as athletic and as competitive uh, as he is? Today, what a lot of these, you know, men and women are looking for is how coachable are you? Can you take coaching? Can you take guidance? Can you handle criticism? Can you handle the structure? Can you play within the team or group concept? And again, you know, a friend of mine, Bill Kenny, who used to coach at Penn State and he's at Western Michigan, would always say to the kids at football camp when we went down there, is that when he would go to any high school in the country, and he was the director of recruiting there, the first place he would go is get a cup of coffee in the cafeteria and ask the lunch ladies about Tom Haley. And if they didn't give Tom Haley the thumbs up as being a first class guy, he basically drank his coffee and walked out the door and said, I'm going to look to the next guy. Because there's just so much parity out there. These guys, when they're recruiting, even at the D3 level locally, how coachable is Tom Haley? Can he fit into our system and just be a player? And again, you know, when our son went to West Point, something that I learned when he went there, is that the first year at school there, 
They just want them to learn how to be a good follower, learn how to get in line, and learn how to take orders. And if you're the, the captain of the team, the alpha dog, that might be a little bit more difficult. But, you know, you have to learn how to follow before you can learn how to lead. Yeah, yeah. I think that applies and, to a lot of things. And I think yeah. that, that, that's just life in general. Yeah. I mean, I need to yeah. learn from you, so then when it's my turn, I can, you know, reciprocate in the same way. Hello, this is Jack Healy. Hello, my name is Kate Catman. This is Chris Hughes. This is Jason Behenna. This is Paul Copo. Hi, this is Mike Kinsler, and you're listening to the Inside Pitch with Bob Fredette and Tom Hall of Fame Haley. Bob, Bob mentioned already that uh, you came to Rutland in '94. Now, I think what people might not know is you showed a lot of interest in Rutland. Before there was even an opening, I used to go to Norwich practices, and you always came over and asked me, "What's going on in Rutland? What's new in Rutland?" You always seemed to have your your eye on. on you, know, you 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 were aware of Rutland earlier earlier than you came here. Well, I had co- I was coaching at Norwich for f- five years as a full time coach, and I used to recruit the state of Vermont because I was the indoor okay. track coach. But I was also going to the Southern Vermont football camp, which Grady Vigno right. and John Beerworth, who was the head coach at that time, yeah. and I got to know those guys well and John real well. And I went to camp, and it's like anything. You just, you're coaching them up, and things just happen. But I remember the first time I was at the Southern Vermont camp over there on Flights Field. At the end of the first practice, all these kids from Rutland, when camp was over, they're all out there conditioning on their own. And I mm. turned to John and I said, what's that? And he goes, um, they just do this on their own. It's kind of what they do. And I said to myself, wow. that's pretty cool. I mean, if, if I'm ever a high school football coach, which I wanted to become, I hope the kids that I coach do the same thing, you know. Wow. And it, and it kind of, you know, it, and to get to know Bruce Wing and to do all that, you know, you saw the, you know, the Raider Rooters were there. It's back when Phil Dwyer and those guys were running the show and John Stempeck and they had like a little chuck wagon that they used to drive around, and just there were there were hundreds of people there watching football camp. So you got to see that it was important to the community. So when the job came open, you know, I mean, I came down and I spoke to John and I went through the process. And I mean, one thing led to another, and I had the good fortune to come here in '94. In but it was important to me, not just football-wise, but from a family standpoint, where could we live, where I could live close by and be able to do my job and then still be a husband and still be a father. You know, my wife or kids might tell you that I wasn't around as much as I probably should have, but, you know, it's kind of all worked out. Our kids went through the school system here and have moved away, but and we're here and, 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 and this is home. And I'm proud to say that just like everybody else, like I've lived in Vermont longer than I lived in Massachusetts. You know what I mean? So, um, you know. That's why Healy tells everybody, too. Yeah. Well, you know, all, all my friends back home, they make yeah. fun of me because I'm a Vermonter now, you know. But uh, I still have a little bit of an accent. But, no, Rutland has, has been a great place for sure. Yeah. It's, it's, it's still a great place, a great place oh, to yeah. raise kids and, and do a lot and have a career. Yeah, right. So. Absolutely. Uh, and that, you know, uh, we talked about the, the, the people in Rutland, the, the Raider Rooters. It's still the case today. That is the reason why we have that day that we had on November 10th at Rutland High, the state championship day. Thank you. Thank you, John Callahan. Yeah. We have that day um, in Rutland because 
of a great <laughs> army, a whole army of volunteers. They, they're there at 8 a.m., and they all have their things, and they're working hard, and, and they pull it off. And that speaks to what you said about the, the people from Rutland um, embracing football. And uh, I'm not trying to stir up anything here, but <laughs> if you ask the media, sure he is. <laughs> if you ask the media, would they rather have it there? Or there, they would say, we'd rather be at Castleton for a very selfish reason. You know, those yeah. radio guys, they don't want to be out there for three games in the 15-degree wind chill. But, but, it's those people, that army of volunteers, they are great from 8 a.m. until 8 p.m. Or, or longer, cleaning up or whatever. They just, it, 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 I think that's why we love Rutland. Well, I think when it all, the opportunity presented itself, um, I mean, Rutland had been taking a beating for things that weren't related to sports. And uh, I think it was just a great example and has continued to be so. It just shows the camaraderie and the spirit of the people that live here that, uh, you know, I mean, our kids are important to us and we want to show people that uh, there's a lot of real positive things going on here and I think it was the fifth or sixth year there's over a hundred volunteers and the food that's made and all that sort of stuff but it's other than the media being unhappy because of the press box <laughs> um, the, everything else is you know I mean as good or better than, 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 than any other way to do it and uh, you know we've we've you know said that if somebody else wanted to do it then you know go right ahead and throw your hat in the ring but you know I mean that that you know that could happen next year you know we we don't know you know I mean, we'll see what happens with that but it's been a real positive thing mm -hmm. for sure well, our press box is about 100 yards long isn't it yeah. yeah 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 it's called a sideline which is yeah. which is a good thing which is a really nice thing to do there so. a great thing in september yeah. yeah well yeah yeah well you know what i'll tell you what if you can't take it for an hour and a half during a game day at a state championship well then you don't belong here to begin right. with here so it's like uh, the, the bud grant philosophy right he, he'd have us reporters out there in t-shirts absolutely yeah yeah we'd all be dressed like mike webster yeah, yeah absolutely yeah uh, mike uh, tell us what what do we, do we have to look forward to when we have the realignment meeting here you've had a peek at what's going to happen next year well again uh i'm on the alignment committee and there's three representatives from uh all three divisions of football along with some administrators and some folks from the vpa i mean there's a lot of time and effort that's put into it uh you know uh, I think people think it's just a decision that's made by the people that are in the room. That's not uh, that's not true. You know what I mean? It, it's just it's it's a formula that's been tweaked and twisted and turned, and probably is politically correct and sensitive to the particular ingredients of of the state of Vermont and and sports. It takes into consideration boy count in the school. It takes into consideration how many boys that, you know, like, for instance, next year, it took into consideration how many 9th, 10th, and 11th graders played at Rutland High this past fall. It takes into consideration what your wins and losses are over the last four or five years. You know, a lot of states, and like a lot of sports in Vermont, they just do it solely on boy count. And, uh, again, and, and I think if you did it that way, schools like Middlebury and Burn Burton and Hartford and all that, they might be in Division Division Two or Division Three. you know what I mean? And some well, of the – Sisquoy might and, be in one. And they might be in Division One. yes. Yeah, right. But it's particularly – and it's – I mean, football, you know, kind of set the tone 
and ice hockey has followed suit because it's just as the nuances of where we live in, in the sport. And, uh, you know, I think it's as good right now as it can be given the bylaws and how things need to be done. There is a process that it has to go through. Um, you know, there's 30 teams that play football. I was just talking about that, Tom. You mean next year, if nobody were to throw their hands in the air, there would be 12 teams in Division One, 10 teams in Division Two, and 8 teams in Division Three. You know what I mean? Again, there was some talk about having four divisions. But to be honest with you, I am of the opinion that our state is – not big enough for I that think sort of thing. Bob and I are. We yeah. But you know, the only and I will say the only thing that to that would be is if there were four divisions and we would be a Division One team, we would play everybody during the regular season. That being said, there'd be no who, who's better than who. You know what I mean, you beat me, I beat you, you beat yep. them. Yep. It's kind of head to head. But you know, that's the direction that we're going. You know, there was talk about having eight man football. And again, eight-man football was in Vermont long, long time ago and was the starter kit for Mill River and other teams along the way. But there was really no interest in some of these smaller schools to jump into eight-man to either help save their program, build their program, or you know there was even some um, calls made to schools that have talked about football, but they couldn't go with 11-man to maybe start football themselves. So that's why the whole eight-man model has, you know, has kind of, you know, I mean, gone away at least because we're only on a one-year. You know, I mean, right now we're in one-year cycles. That's right? probably good. Yeah. Right. I think. This is the inside pitch, brought to you by the Rutland Herald. This is Justin St. Louis from Devil's Bowl Speedway, and you can find the inside pitch on iTunes. I Doesn't, didn't used to think so. Well, I think what it does, it just allows you, if somebody is really down on their luck right. for a year, they don't have to go back to their kids in their community and say, right. we're playing in whatever division. And that's and what which, I mean, because things when, are changing so quickly. Yes. Yeah. You mean Mount Anthony went to Division Two? That was, in my opinion, that was the right decision. Mm-hmm. I believe Brattleboro will end up going to Division Two think that's the right decision that that could all change you know the communities could say no they could appeal it but you know as we stand right now there would be 12 10 and 8 and 8 Mm -hmm. yeah well nothing succeeds like success i mean our kids want to want to be in a program where they can learn but you know you want to win a game here or two just to keep the fires burning here so yeah and look at that uh, a number of years ago middlebury went two and as soon as they went two they said we're coming back we'll be back up Right. Boy, did they come back! Yeah, they did. They did. But Middlebury, they did that themselves. Right. They they knew what was going on in their youth football was not good, so they revamped their youth football, the administration of their youth football. Then they said what's going on at the high school was not good, so they dropped down to Division Two where their numbers placed them. They were there for two years, I believe, Mm -hmm. and then they came back, and I think they were in the state championship game three or four times out of the five years, that's where they want to play. Right. I mean, I, I mean, when I started here in 94, um, that, that's when Hartford got moved to Division One. 
I mean, and I had recruited at Hartford mm-hmm. uh, for a long, long time. And I remember coming here and some of the kids, oh, they're, they're D2 and they're not very good. I said, you better be ready to go. And that's when Randy St. Peter was playing. Stoney was the coach. And, yep. I mean, they beat us, I mean, out on alumni field in the very first game that I coached against. They took the ball and just played keep away. But, um, you know, I, I think eight man, there is a place for eight-man football. It's just going to be whether or not people want to – jump into it and maybe it's going to be a thing out of survival where people are going to have to say if we don't play eight-man football football is going away and and this is no different I was watching North Dakota State who's playing in the the FCS championship they were talking about how they play nine-man football or yeah, seven-man football yeah. and as I said to you my son's room one of my son's roommate at West Point is from Nebraska he played six-man football and then he went on to play in college. So, you know, to me, it's about keeping football alive and keeping kids busy. To and what and with eight men, the, the thing, the thing that to me is so good about eight men, it's not just what you just said about maybe keeping a program alive that has football, but Lamoille, Harwood, Leland and Gray. Maybe who knows? All it takes in a community is the right person. I remember when Butch Hobson, the ex-Boston Red Sox player, I don't know if he summered or what, up in the the school district in Harwood, and he almost got it going there. Green Mountain, they had meetings. I mean, it can happen at these places, mm-hmm. and with eight man, it could happen easier. Get some new schools. 30, let's think 35. 35, then let's think 40. That Maybe that's what eight man could do. No, it's possible. But the thing is that the, whatever whatever level you're playing at, the fundamentals are the same. you got to block. Well, exactly. you got to tackle. And you no really question need, about and, it. And, blocking and tackling. And I hate to see it happen because right now I hate to see smaller schools dropping football because we've already shown like South Burlington and right. Burlington. They merged. Two big schools. Right. Just to keep the program going here. And I think that kind of thing... Well, it's happened in more sports. It's happened in hockey as well. Yep. And I think sometimes you, that's, a, that's why with the prices you have to pay, then you have to do it. Yep. 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 So uh, maybe we talk a little bit about, we, we talked about feeder systems. Uh, can you talk a little bit, Mike, about how football is being, uh, the, the efforts that are being made right now to make football safer? Vermont is the uh, second state in the country that's mandated that uh, everybody that um, – coaches middle school or high school football and their members of the VPA have got to go through their USA football training on a yearly basis. And then at least one coach from each staff has to be a player safety coach. Uh, To me, what that demonstrates is that we're taking it serious and we're not fooling around that we need to change some things, otherwise football might go away. And and at the end, we just want our kids to be safer and to teach them – not a new way, maybe just a little bit different way of blocking and tackling. And again, having done so, you know, I mean, football is football. I think the big thing that people have to get by are their egos, quite frankly, because people don't like being told what to do. But I mean, my my stake in it is this: is that football has been very good to me and and our family. Uh, and uh, I don't want football to go away on my watch because I just think football has so many positive things. Uh, to offer not just on the field but mostly off the field that they can take those qualities with them boys and girls with them you mean the rest of their lives and you know and and, and go from there 
Yeah, can you say right now that, that football actually is, is becoming safer right now? I believe the football is the safest that it has ever been. The equipment is the best that it's ever been. The quality of instruction is the best that it has ever been. I think there's a lot of people out there, and I'm not downplaying concussions. I'm not downplaying CTE. I'm not downplaying dementia or any of those things. That's All that stuff is awful. Nobody wants to have anybody have that sort of stuff. But it depends who you're listening to. There are enough people out there that aren't trying to sell, no disrespect, newspapers that will tell you that playing football, the risk is really no different than playing soccer or playing ice hockey. You know I mean, maybe those people have not done as good a job of out there promoting it. But, you know, I think with anything, there's risk involved, and I think you just have to kind of outweigh that whole thing. I mean, I'm a parent, and uh, we never would have let our son play football if we thought it was going to be detrimental to his uh, well-being and and longevity uh, as a person. He played tackle football in the seventh grade. wasn't exactly what I wanted to have happen. but we let him play because all of his friends were there. And uh, they, they did a nice job of instructing those kids. Now, you know, you got different options. You can play flag. You can play padded flag. You can play tackle. I mean, I think it's all in the eyes of the beholder. And it just comes down to the instruction. My stake in the game beyond the safety is, is that we just want to have the kids to be able to coach when they come to the high school. Mm-hmm. Because that's what's happening around Vermont and around our country. These kids are getting burnt out. Parents are getting in an uproar about all the things that I mentioned, and by the time they get to the ninth grade, they're done. I mean, it's not just football. It's basketball. Right. Yeah. It's every sport yeah. that, that that's going on. And, uh, you know, we're just, you know, just everybody looks at things in, in, in their own way. But I think everybody wants the kids to participate and wants kids to be safe. And it, it, I think it is. I mean, not only is it a question. This is the safest it's been. And, and every thing in every walk of life has risk and reward. And I think the rewards in football are, are, are amazing. What did Bruce Arians always say? No risk it, no biscuit. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> well, we're running kind of short on time here, but I, thought I can't let you go before congratulating you on the coaching job you and your staff did this past fall. Um, the Raiders with maybe five or six kids who had on-field experience coming into this year, going all the way to the state championship and being very competitive and actually having a chance to win that game. And, uh, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of your teams, and I think that uh, this is one of the best coaching jobs that you've done, and uh, congratulations on that. You know, all the credit goes to the kids. Um, coaching's way overrated. If you get good kids that are determined and will allow themselves to be coached up a little bit. Uh, you can do some unbelievable things. And this year was one of those years that you say that this is why I coach, not for the wins and losses, but just to see how the kids started and how they finished. You know, Granted, we got beat at the end, and that team played better than we did. The other thing that we had, we had great support from the parents in the community. And again, when everybody's going in the same direction or pulling the rope in the same direction, uh, really a lot of positive things uh, can happen. You know, we had a nice senior class. A lot of them are moving on. We've got a bunch of kids that are hungry, and, you know, they get a little taste of it. And uh, we actually started up the Monday after Thanksgiving, and somebody said to me, why are you starting so early? And I said, well, it's really the kids want to start. 
That's great. And um, to me, that's what you were talking I mean, about. I mean, a couple of field that camp, doing the couple of weeks after. off. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, and 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 the credit, you know I mean, goes to them. So you know what I mean, we'll just we'll just see what happens. But uh, it was really a credit to the to the kids and, and the community for sure. Well, if coaching is overrated, mm-hmm. it's overrated on both ends of the spectrum. If you get too much credit when you get to the state championship game, then you get too much blame when they're two and seven. It's overrated on both ends. <laughs> well, yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, you know what I mean. A lot of guys, a lot of people don't like Bill Belichick, but you know he just takes it full force. It is what it is. You know what I mean. And, and Mount Mansfield did a nice job, and they just made a more a few more plays than we did, but. From where the kids started and how far they came, you know what I mean, it's uh, a lot of real positives that they'll be able to take with them down the road. It was a lot of fun to watch this season, Mike, and thank you very much Thanks for that. Thanks a lot. So, uh, I guess we're out of time again. So I know it's, it's basketball season, but we've been taking this opportunity to talk about football. But uh, whatever it is you're, you're aiming to watch, go out and watch some sports. It's a great place. brings community together. And, uh, you know, it's a very, very positive force in more ways than one. So, uh I'm Bob Fredette for Tom Haley. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Mike Norman, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, for our engineer, George Nostrin, we thank you very much for tuning into this week's podcast. Come on back. We'll be back soon. This is the Inside Pitch, brought to you by the Rutland Herald. Let us know what you think. Email us at sports at rutlandherald.com.